Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Mark's Gospel, Chapter 4. How many of you want to grow spiritually? How many of you want your faith to be more effective? How many of you want to make advances in the kingdom of God? Go forward, pressing toward that mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. How many of you want to be more effective in the things of God? And experience more reality with the Lord? Have a greater manifestation of the character of of Christ in your life? Well, you know, our divine potential is in seed form. Each and every one of us has the same potential. We have the same divine potential. It all depends on us. It depends on how much we want what we want. If we have a a yearning desire within our heart to have more, then we can have it. To experience more than we can experience. It's up to us. In this particular parable in Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, beginning in verse 14, Jesus taught us the operation of the kingdom of God within the heart of a human being. And in it, I believe he sets forth some divine principles that we need to understand in order for us to achieve our divine potential. I believe there are some things here stated just as in Matthew's Gospel, when Jesus talked about the Lord's Prayer, that it's called today, of course, the Lord's Prayer, He taught principles, and He also taught principles here. He didn't teach us the Lord's Prayer just so that we can repeat the Lord's Prayer over and over again. He taught us the Lord's Prayer so that we can understand principles of prayer. And the same thing is true here. There are principles that are taught here that we need to understand and familiar, be familiar with in order to grow in God. You'll notice, beginning at verse 14, the sower soweth the word. And these are they that are by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves. And so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some an hundred. Father God, we look to you now, to the ministry of your Spirit, to enlarge our capacity to receive revelation, knowledge, wisdom, understanding, and ability of all the things that pertain to life and godliness. To quicken us according to the word. We as an act of our will give ourselves to you and to his teaching ministry. We believe our ears are anointed to hear. Our hearts to receive and our minds to be open to your word that makes us free. I personally thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost. To proclaim with boldness the truth of your word in the power of the spirit. That our faith, their Father God, would stand not in human philosophy or men's wisdom. But in the power of of the living God, in Jesus' name, amen. You'll notice in verse 14, the sower soweth the word. 
And what that lets us know is that the incorruptible seed of God's Word has to be sown in a human heart in order for the kingdom of God to begin its work. They don't originate there. Those desires, seed desires we call them, don't originate there. Someone has to hear the Word. And then when they hear the Word of God, that's a seed that's sown inside the heart that will enable that person to understand the operation of the kingdom of God. So without revelation and the word going forth, we wouldn't even begin to understand the operation of the kingdom of God. It doesn't begin or operate or its operation within the heart by itself. It has to be sown there. And these are they, in verse 15, by the wayside when the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. So we've discovered that someone sows the seed of God's word, we hear it. And our potential is there because it comes to us in that seed form. And if we'll just do our part just like any good farmer, the result of it all would be fruit. And of course, we've, uh, uh, we've shared many times, Proverbs chapter 4, that if a person attends to the word of God, inclines his ear to his saying, doesn't let the word depart from his eyes, but keeps it protected in the midst of his heart, then the word of God will become life. That's the fruit. Life unto those that find them and health or healing agent or medicine to all their flesh. Notice, it doesn't just happen automatically. It comes as a result of what? Attending to the Word of God by inclining the ear, keeping the Word before the eyes or before the mind, and also protected within the heart. And that's what this is all about. Our potential is there. We all have the same divine potential. But whether or not we achieve it is up to us. And, of course, it's all based on our understanding with regard to what Jesus was teaching right here. If we understand these principles, I think we'll get further down the road. But if we don't, then we're going to be in a lot of trouble. So here we see that if we do exactly what Jesus said, we'll produce fruit. But now because the enemy knows that attending to the Word of God will result in the fruit of life to a person and health unto all their flesh... Immediately he begins his attack. He develops his strategies to see to it as to how he can remove the word of God from a person's heart, from a person's life. When someone first hears the message of the kingdom and its operation within the heart of a human being, he'll come along and steal that seed, do anything and everything in his power to see to it that that seed does not find its lodging within that heart and then eventually take root and produce fruit. And he'll come in three different ways. Number one being, of course, the physical realm, just like he came to Jesus in the physical realm. And then number two being in the emotional realm. And then number three being in the spiritual realm. He'll touch all three realms of life to bring temptation or whatever our way to see to it that we are distracted from the Word of God and the Word of God does not find its lodging within the heart. See, we can know what the Word of God says, but that's not enough. We want to have it received into the heart and kept there with patience so that it finally can produce fruit, which is life, health, productivity. That's what we want. But the enemy knows what will take place if the seed of God's Word is allowed to be sown there and remain there and protected there. And so therefore, he'll come to steal that Word. And if a person's heart condition is hard, hardened, because it's been much traveled, then he'll just 
snatch that seed away. See, it can't penetrate because of the soil of the heart. You talk about the much-traveled road that's, road that's packed down and the seed can't find its way in. Birds will just come and snatch it away. A person can be hardened for many reasons. It's just, uh, you know, all different reasons, but uh, sometimes just because of religious people. They become hardened. Who wants to be like that hypocrite and all that? And their hearts are hardened. You know, you've been there. You've heard them talk that way. Others, they just love to live a life of sin and wrongdoing. So they love that more than they love God and their hearts are hardened. Whatever the reason, we understand that this is how the enemy operates. So let's remember, whether it's someone being saved or a believer receiving a new message from the Word of God. When I say new, it means something they haven't heard, like being filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking with other tongues. Their spirit is not ready for that. They could be hardened to that. They could be hardened to that because they heard somebody say that's of the devil. That's not for the believer today. So their hearts are hardened. They don't want to hear about it. You've talked to them. I've talked to them. I don't want to hear about that. That's, that's the devil. No, that's not God. That's not for the New Testament believer today. And their hearts are hardened toward it. So you preach the message and immediately the devil comes and just takes it away. Someone will reinforce the fact that that's from the devil and that's not for you today. And therefore they don't receive that message. If it's healing, you know. The devil has all kinds of things when it comes to healing. Paul's thorn in the flesh, you know, Timothy's uh, upset stomach, and, you know, Paul, Paul's thorn, like, like I said there, and, and uh, all these different things, Job's boils, and, you know, all these different things and reasons why everyone should be sick. And so if they've heard that message before, their hearts are hardened, and the, and the Word cannot find its lodging inside that human heart. And so God's kingdom can't be expanded inside that person's life, can't be enlarged there, because... It comes in seed form. And if they won't receive the seed of God's Word, then what can you do to get it in there? See? So let's remember that. So if it's our lives or you know, anyone's life, really, this is the way the enemy operates. And notice why he's coming. To prevent the message from finding its lodging inside the heart. Because if it does and it stays there, it's going to produce fruit. Life and health to all that person's flesh. So he can come in the physical realm, let's say, through sickness or disease or financial difficulties and troubles or just any circumstances that he'll just set up or set in motion to see to it that one is distracted from the Word of God. In the emotional realm, he'll bring confusion through deception and upheaval in the emotional realm or attack a person's will so as to get them away from the Word of God, distracted from the Word of God. In the spiritual realm, there are really two sides to the ditch. If you ask me, I think one side is to attack a person's spiritual initiative, to get them where they don't want to pursue spiritual things. But on the other side, I believe there's the other extreme where, they, where he produces false spirituality in a person. False spirituality. Well, it could be true in a sense, but I, I, when it comes to demonic influences and that sort of thing, getting people so overbalanced on one side of the ditch that it, it produces a spirituality that doesn't come from God. And boy, I'll tell you what, I've seen too much of that today. Too much of that is going around the body of Christ today. All these bizarre things, all these bizarre happenings because people are not content with the Word of God. They've got to have some extra, you know, ordinary experience, some type of supernatural something out there. They're not content with just the Word of God and, and, and receiving miracles from the Word of God. Beloved, you mark it. The primary way that God's going to perform miracles in a person's life is by that person finding out what the Word of God says about it and acting on it. And that's the primary way God's going to work. These other things, if they come, thank God for them if they do come. If you have a supernatural experience, a dream or, or a vision or a, or a different kind of sign or wonder, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. But judge it by the Word of God. People going around, as I said before, you know, 
and, and uh, faking it so they have oil coming out of their hands and blood coming out of their hands and, and deceiving the people in the body of Christ and, and claiming to have all these miraculous occurrences take place, which they never did, or, or actually false things happening. The Bible says that Satan can appear as an angel of light. And why is he doing all this? To distract people from the Word of God. And if you can distract them from the Word of God, the Word can't find its lodging, then it will bring all kinds of mass confusion to people's minds and they start wondering all these different things. And then finally, what is true anyhow? What is true? This one's into this and this one's into that and this one's into this, this heavy deliverance and all that stuff and, you know, vomiting up this and vomiting up that and this one's over here doing this. And, you know, who's right? You know who's right? God's right. You know who's right? The Word's right. Jesus is right. Just do what He said do and be content with that. If you want something extra, praise God, you know. Just go to the Word of God and, and, and stay in His presence and, and, and desire spiritual manifestations like the Bible says as you pursue love. And if they happen, praise God for them. But don't desire for them to happen in such a way that you are totally looking for something in the spiritual realm to happen. Because if you're looking for spectacular things, you're going to miss out on the supernatural. And Satan will use that as a distraction to produce, as I said, a false spirituality. You know, don't go for that. And I've heard too many of it, too many right now that are in big ministries that are experiencing financial difficulties. So what they're doing is making up all kinds of different things and, and really playing upon the emotions of, of God's people, trying to get them to help fund something I believe God didn't even tell them to do. It's happening out there, beloved. Remember what it is. Distraction from the enemy to do what? To get people off on one side of the dish or the other. Let's just walk in the Word of God. Amen. Let's just follow the way of Jesus. Let's learn of Jesus. Let's learn what the Word of God truly says. Now, what I want us to do to continue this is to look at Mark 4, verses 16 and 17. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the Word, immediately receive it with gladness. Now, that sounds great. The first part of that sounds great. You ever classify yourself as being there? You say, now, brother, that can't be me. I love the Word of God. Yeah, that, that's true. But how much of the Word of God have you received with gladness? And now as you look back upon your life, you started in it, but you're not really walking in all the light that you know and all the light that you have. See, that's not talking about something that takes place overnight or in a week. That's talking about over a period of years and a period of time where a person learns about certain principles from the Word of God received with gladness. Start to operate in it. Starts just a little bit. See, starts to produce. But because there's no depth, because of shallow, stony soil, immediately when affliction and persecution comes, all of a sudden they become offended. Now the affliction and persecution come, why? Because of the Word. Look at the next verse. They receive with gladness, but they have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution arise, for the word's sake, the persecution and the affliction will arise. And if you look back, you'll find out that when Jesus taught this, as a matter of fact, back up a little bit. Back up to verse 5. And some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, Notice he said it immediately rises what? For the word's sake. Affliction and persecution will arise. Just like the sun, sunrise. All of a sudden, persecution and affliction will rise up for the word's sake. Not because we're somebody special. 
Not because we're so great. But the enemy knows that if the word finds its lodging inside that human heart, that person is going to be dangerous to his kingdom. And therefore, in an attempt to see to it that the word does not bear fruit in that person's life, along will come or rise up in that person's life affliction and persecution for the word's sake. It's for the word's sake. The enemy does not want the word to find its lodging in any human heart because that person becomes a dangerous vessel, a channel of the life of God, a channel of the power of God, a channel of the ability of God, a channel of the message of God into the earth, a tool in the hand of God to see to it that others experience eternal life, the infilling of the Holy Ghost, the healing power of God, the delivering power of God. The enemy does not want that to occur. So remember, once again, if the heart's not hardened, just totally hard where he can't snatch it away easily, if there's a little bit of, just a little bit of depth, if there's shallow you know, depth there, if it's stony and, and shallow, this is what it'll do. He'll bring affliction and persecution. It'll rise up against that person because of the Word's sake. So as to prevent the working of the Word in that person's life. So he says here, but when the sun was up, it was scorched because it had no root, it withered away. Now go on back there. In verse 17 says, And have no root in themselves, and so endure, but for a time afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And I thought about what he was saying here. When the sun rises up and it's in full strength at midday, and there's a plant that's just beginning to grow, and there's not much water there, there's no retention of water there because of the shallowness of the soil, what happens? It begins to become scorched, as Jesus said. It withers and dries up. Well, I guess if you put it in, in the natural, in, in our lives, we can say it this way. We become offended or we get burned up. People become offended, upset, angry, burned up. Through affliction and persecution. Not the sun. Not the heat of the sun. But the heat of affliction and persecution for the word's sake. So they're offended. Or they're upset. Or they're angry. And they get burned up. I tried this and it didn't work. Instead of discovering what the problem is. Instead of maybe just for a moment thinking that he or she might have a problem. It's just too easy to say this stuff doesn't work and blame it on God or blame it on the Word of God and become offended for the Word's sake. Beloved, each and every one of us has to be mature enough to know that if there's a problem, it's not on the Godward side. Jesus made some statements that really give us more than what our minds can handle. Such as, all things are possible to him that believeth. And sometimes I'll hear people say, well, you know what? I tried that and it didn't work for me. Well, I guess a good response would be take it up with Jesus. <laughs> you know, I would rather look at it this way. Even if I don't experience those things, all those possible things in my life, the word's still true. I would rather be of this opinion. The word's true. 
Whether or not I live up to it, whether or not you live up to it, or whether or not anyone lives up to it, God's Word is true. And I, sh- I should never be offended at the Word of God. I mean, we're growing in God, aren't we? And God's life is, is rising up on the inside of us. We're developing God. God's not developing in us, believe me. It's the other way around. So if there's any failure, it's a human failure, wouldn't you say? It's not a divine failure. It's a human failure. And that's why it puzzles me sometimes when people make such statements. Well, we tried that business and, you know, it just didn't work. And and if it were true and and blah, blah, blah and all this. Wait a minute. Let's maintain the, the right understanding here. Jesus said all things are possible to him that believeth. And I believe that with, with all of my being. But if we really walked in it, wouldn't we be experiencing in all of our lives all those things that are possible? Well, if we're honest with each other, then we understand that, no, we've not received a miracle every time we've prayed or asked or whatever. We have fallen short. We have all fallen short for one reason or another. But I'm saying this. The idea is this. Make sure that we are humble enough to... Bow ourselves in His presence and say, Father God, where did I miss the mark? I know your word is true. You know, where have I missed the mark? I know some don't like to hear that kind of teaching because it puts responsibility on the believer. But beloved, didn't Jesus put the responsibility on that father? Didn't He tell him, hey, it's not what I can do. He said, I went to your disciples. He said, it's not what they can do. And I've come to you now. He said, it's not what I can do. If thou canst believe... See, he put it back on the fellow and says, all things that you desire are possible to him that believeth. So make the necessary adjustments and get your eyes off of others and realize that when adjustments take place inside your heart and its condition, then your potential is right there. All things are possible if you believe. So work on your believing. And so that's what I want to emphasize because this is something that is so important when it comes to living by faith. We've got to realize that God's Word is true. And we walk in the integrity of God's Word, knowing that what God says is true. And therefore, if we attempt to apply certain principles to our lives and seemingly don't have any solutions to problems or answers to questions or miracles happen, we don't chuck the whole thing and just say, well, forget it all. It's it's no good. It doesn't work and all that. No. We say that Jesus said, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. And if Jesus said that, I believe it. I'm going to keep believing it, continue believing it, and growing in it until it becomes true in my life. That is the right attitude of heart to maintain. So if we would maintain that kind of an attitude, then what we would do is, begin applying ourselves in the Word of God in different areas that are needful for us to experience the change of heart. And sometimes what people do is they try to pinpoint certain things in people's lives and say, well, this is the reason why it didn't work for you, and then they offend the person. I'd rather say this, I really don't know why it didn't work for you because I'm not you. I don't know you. I don't know where you're coming from. But if we sit down and we talk for a while, maybe we can help locate where you're at. And there are times I did that. I sat down and talked with someone. They says, I need a miracle from God. And, you know, why isn't it happening? And I would say, well, I really don't have an answer. I, I don't know why. I know that Jesus said that all things are possible to him to believe it. 
you know, but don't be offended for the word's sake. Don't, you know, you're going to be attacked with affliction and persecution because you are attempting to apply the word of God in the message of, of, of whatever it is, you know, healing or deliverance to your life or financial assistance or whatever to your life. You're going to be attacked because of that because you're stepping out on the word of God. Now, why it didn't produce in your life or why there were no results in your life, I don't really know the exact answer to that question, but let's talk for a while and maybe it'll be revealed. And sure enough, you know, you could just sit down and talk to people and locate them by the words that they speak. You'll find out exactly where they're at. But now getting the message across to them as to why and there are certain reasons, you know, why it didn't work is not always an easy thing to do because sometimes they get offended at that. For an example, one time I had to share with someone, well, you got bitterness in your heart. That's why it's not working. Well, they actually thought that with bitterness in the heart, it, it still should work. And get upset at you and have be bitter toward you because you pointed it out. You know? <laughs> All kinds of different reasons. Some are just not in the right place to receive a certain message. There was a time where I was called to go to a hospital where a child was supposedly dying. And when I walked into that emergency room of the hospital, it was up in Youngstown, and I saw all the family distraught and everything else, and they were looking to me, you know, of course, and with all kinds of different attitudes. I mean, I just thank God for God's children. Amen. Sometimes you wonder, but thank God. Some of them were just like, if this fellow has such great faith, he should do this and he should do that. And sometimes those are the reasons why things don't work for people. Because their attitudes are wrong. Actually, in some cases, they're wanting somebody to fail. Just to prove, see, they're nobody special. Boy, that's a wrong attitude to maintain. But anyhow, I got on my knees and I just began to pray. And I said, you know, it's really not a time to be bickering and all that. I said, it's a time to really seek God because this child's life is at stake. And I hit my knees on the floor. No sooner than I hit my knees on the floor, these words rose up inside my spirit. The child is with me and will not return. How would you like to be the one to deliver that message to that family? He has experienced love that he has never experienced before. Just how I was six months old. That he has never experienced before and he is with me and will not return. Now there's all these people sitting over there in this you know, waiting room and, and everything. And they're looking to you to be the man of God to bring forth some kind of revelation or to, you know, to wave some kind of a magical wand and get a miracle for them. And you've got to deliver a message. Well, I didn't deliver that message. He didn't say, now tell the people. I didn't tell the people at that point. But I saw those people trying to muster up faith, trying to use faith and, and going in all these different directions. And I already knew inside my heart that it was futile to do anything like that because God spoke. How many of you know that, you know, when God speaks and says certain things and means certain things, when it's unconditional, you can't change it? Although that's not the perfect will of God, and it's never the perfect will of God for a young child to die, and I can't really get into all, to all of it. But at that point, that was the scenario. The child was not coming back. I mean, the family would continue going on through the motions. I continued going on through the motions, thinking that maybe I can get something to be changed. But nothing was going to change. That was it. That was the bottom line. There would be no change. And then down the road, you find out that... Um, you know, there's a possibility of the child being abused as a six-month-old and all that which resulted in the child's death. I'll tell you what right now. Can you understand this? If that's the case, you think your faith is going to work? 
Do you think your faith is going to work if that's what's happening? See, there are consequences to sin. And sometimes because of certain things set in motion, that people set in motion, they can't change it. It's already set in motion to the point, to the place in the spiritual realm that it can't be reversed. But see, people see those things happen and then they think, well, because that happened, all of a sudden the faith message doesn't work. No, it's, it's a lot deeper than that. There has to be depth of perception and depth of understanding. It works. But let's remember that when you set things in motion, if there's no depth of understanding of these principles, then a person will be totally lost. If you set things in motion, it can't be reversed. No matter how hard you try to use the Word of God in a, in a certain situation, it can't be changed. And so let's remember before we get to places where those things happen, let's get a hold of the principles of the kingdom now and begin to operate in right principles and set right things in motion so that we can experience the right things for our lives and in our lives. But the point I wanted to make is that when you know, certain people do things without understanding, it's easy to jump to conclusions and develop your own opinions. And a lot of people have developed their opinions about the Word of God and about the message of faith, but it's not really based on accurate knowledge. So let's begin to understand once again that according to what Jesus is saying here, we've got to have depth in our hearts. There has to be depth of perception and depth of understanding of the principles. Otherwise, we'll be attempting to do things without a foundation and we don't want to do that we want to act on the word of God as it is in our hearts with complete understanding that there are certain things that can nullify or make the word of God of no effect such as religious tradition didn't Jesus himself say that religious tradition makes the word of God of none effect doesn't the Bible clearly speak to us about forgiveness and unforgiveness and that if a person doesn't forgive then if there's bitterness inside the heart his faith life is not going to be productive see all these things come into play here there has to be depth of understanding there has to be revelation well how do we attain that how do we acquire that how do we achieve this kind of knowledge well notice in verse 16 or verse 17, rather, the first part, and have no root in themselves. Root in themselves. Each one of us has the potential because we have the seed offered to us. But for that seed to take, to find its lodging in my heart, to take root and produce fruit, determines, is determined by what I do with it. In order for it to take root in my life, I've got to do something. I didn't have any garden in my backyard last year. That was my fault because I didn't do anything. I don't know about you. Maybe you had a beautiful garden and produced a lot of great fruit because you had done something. You did something last year. Well, I didn't do anything, so I didn't have any cucumbers or tomatoes of my own. Anyhow. Well, the same thing is true with regard to our hearts. In order for me to have root, to have the Word of God to take root inside my life, I'm going to do something about my spiritual condition. It's my heart. It's not yours. It's my spirit life. It's my heart condition. What I do with it is up to me. 
Well, if I have no root in myself, then once again, it's my, it's my fault. It's my responsibility to see to it that the soil of my heart is receptive to the Word of God. Now, what's he talking about? Look at Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. If I want to have a depth of perception, if I want to have clear insight and understanding as to the operation of the principles of the kingdom of God in my life and its principles, then I have got to put myself in a place or a position to remove the stony soil out of my heart and put in good soil. If I don't do that, then beloved even though I'll receive that word initially with gladness, when the affliction comes, and it will come, when the persecution comes, and it will come for the word's sake, I'll probably, just like others, get burned up, angry, upset, some even upset with God. Oh, I've heard many just blaming God. Didn't God say He wouldn't put any more on me than I can, you know, overcome? And He did. And they're upset with God. They're blaming God for things that have occurred and happened in their lives. And they're bitter to, even toward God. Well, that's a misunderstanding once again and misconception of, of what he was really saying. You make note of this because it's going to bless you. It'll bless me and all of those of us who know it will be reminded once again. In order for me to have understanding and perception and revelation and more light of the knowledge of the operation of the kingdom of God within my heart life, in order for me to grow and develop spiritually, in order for my faith to grow exceedingly, I have got to be rooted and grounded in divine love. Otherwise, I absolutely close the door to revelation. I close the door to further spiritual perception. I'll never really grasp the full understanding of the message of faith without putting myself in the right place or position spiritually by doing something about divine love. Look at Ephesians chapter 3 and beginning at verse 14. If I want to remove the stony soil from my heart, that condition, if I want to rid my heart of that condition, then I've got to do something with love. Verse 14, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love. That is divine love, agape love. May be able to comprehend. Notice, this is how we achieve comprehension. Comprehend with all saints, not just for one or two, but for all saints. What is the breadth, length, depth, height, and to know the love of Christ with which passeth knowledge, that she might be filled with all the fullness of God. Notice, spiritually strengthened, spiritually filled with all of God's fullness. That's talking about the condition of the heart. That heart then will be spiritually filled with all of God's fullness. Spiritually strengthened with the power of God's might. By His Spirit. As what? As I am rooted and grounded in God's love. See, this condition of love, divine love, is the perfect soil in which to plant the seed of God's Word. 
It's the perfect soil for the operation of the kingdom of God. But if I don't do anything with this understanding of divine love and revelation of divine love, then although I may want to experience great things in God, great miracles and etc., the moment persecution comes, the moment affliction comes, if I lack that strength and fullness of God in my spiritual condition, then just as the sun causes that plant to be scorched and dry up and wither away, same thing can happen to me with regard to any message that comes to me from the Word of God. I have to understand that I'm going to be tested. I'm going to be tried. When I first set out to, to prove that God's Word is true with regard to my physical healing, I have to know that it's not going to be just peaches and cream. That headache may not go away immediately. Or that physical condition may not go away immediately. I'll be tested, tempted and tried, challenged. The enemy will come along in that area of my life, for your life, to see to it that you're discouraged with that message, with his stripes you were healed. And we'll do everything to keep you outside of the realm of accurate understanding with regard to that message. I mean, it's amazing to me still when I hear some say after so many years, I'm just beginning to understand what it means that with his stripes I was healed. For example, just recently hearing this statement. I heard it said so many times in 1 Peter 2.24 that with his stripes we were healed. Yet, I kept looking to God for healing in the future. I wanted to be healed. After all these years, I just began to discover that with his stripes I was healed. For it says, ye were healed, therefore I was healed. That's past tense. That's a simple truth and a simple statement, beloved, but it doesn't always dawn upon a person's heart and mind. Sometimes it's the most difficult thing to get them to see that the healing was already taken care of at the cross 2,000 years ago. And to get us to change our confession with the stripes, I was healed, and stop saying, I wish God would heal me from this condition, is not an easy thing to do. Because some don't see it and don't have the revelation of it. And sometimes you'll beat your head against the wall and say, why can't they see that? And then I begin to understand this. Unless a person does something with his heart condition, and I mean this sincerely, love is the realm of revelation. Never forget that. Love is the realm of revelation. If a person wants revelation, make sure your heart's flooded with love. Because love is the right motive of the heart. I'm talking divine love now, agape love, God's divine love. The heart condition has got to be one of, of agape love, divine love, the right heart motive, attitude and desire. And when a person possesses that and then places himself in that spiritual realm of divine love, operating in it and doing his best to operate and function in that realm of love, he opens up the door to revelation and understanding. If he'll do that, and, and, and makes a decision to be rooted and grounded in that divine love, then will come this knowledge of the breadth, the length, the depth, the height of God's love. And I believe that's when light bulbs begin to be turned on in our lives. I see that more clearly now. I understand that now because you're walking in that realm of love. When you're walking out of the realm of love in selfishness and self-centeredness, wanting what I want and all that, I believe it closes the door. 
and a person doesn't truly grasp the principles of faith. Because, you see, the motivation is not right of the heart. If a person really wants revelation, they've got to do something about walking in that realm of love. Because love is the perfect soil in which the seed of God's Word is planted and the kingdom of God operates. It's the perfect climate, perfect temperature, perfect everything for development. So here it says that we should be rooted and grounded in God's love. As a result, we'll be strong where? In the inward man, filled with all the fullness of God. And I also believe this. We won't be that easily offended or burned up when things don't work. We won't get offended. We'll just re-evalu- you know, do an evaluation and, and discover, find out what's, what's wrong here, Lord. Well, let me give you an illustration here. Look at uh, Psalms 66 and verse 18. Every single one of us is living under a divine mandate to follow and practice God's love. It's a commandment of the New Testament. Now, a commandment is not an option. A commandment is what? A duty and responsibility that we all have. Say it with me. I am under a divine mandate to practice Agape love. See, once again, that's a mandate. That's not an option. I am commanded to do that. You ready for this? Jesus said in John 14, 21, He that keepeth my commandments, he it is that loveth me. It's the test that determines whether or not we truly love God. If we will walk in the commandment of love, then we are proving to God that we love Him and to Jesus that we love Him. But you see, if we don't do that, if we're out of that realm of love, then we're not really proving our love for God. Now, along with that commandment, we understand this as being the scope. We're to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Our body and everything that we possess, we are to love God with. Secondly, we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. We're to love ourselves. And that's another aspect of love that we have to understand, that I'm not a worm in the dust. That even though I may view myself as being that way, I'm still somebody that God loves and I should love myself because I am what He made me to be. I am His workmanship recreated in Christ Jesus under good works. So I'm somebody special in the sight of God and I have to realize that and develop my self-image in Christ, not in myself. And overcome guilt and condemnation. Another aspect of this scope of God's love is, is then loving my neighbor. And of course, loving our brothers and sisters can be included in that because our neighbors could be Christians too. So we're to love our neighbor also as ourselves, our friends, with this same kind of love. But then we're also to love our enemies. So when a person begins loving God himself, his neighbors and, and his enemies and brothers and sisters in the Lord, he is now practicing divine love. He is walking in that realm of divine love. He's placed his spirit in a position to receive revelation knowledge from God and understanding from God because his heart motives are right. His heart attitudes are right. His faith life will be energized, not de-energized. But look at this. If I, verse 18 of Psalm 66 says this, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord won't hear me. So we're talking about producing fruit or bearing, let's say, 
Prayer fruit. Prayer fruit means God hears me, answers my prayer, and there is a miracle that takes place. There is a result. But if I regard iniquity, and when we leave the realm of love, any step out of the realm of love is a step into sin, in the sight of God. So when we leave that realm of love, there's iniquity. When I have bitterness and unforgiveness and all that in my life, ought against anyone... I take myself out of the realm of love where God works and I put myself in a wrong realm, in a wrong place and position. And therefore, the Word of God cannot be effective to produce fruit in my life. Because, once again, faith works by what? Faith is energized by love. So that's why he is saying here, look, they, they heard the message of the Word, but they, 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 they left out this. There wasn't a depth in the soil of the heart. They didn't have that depth of understanding. Just began to act on something too quickly before getting the full perception of it all. Yes, it's wonderful just to begin acting on the Word of God. But, beloved, listen. The moment you step out to act on the Word of God, don't forget this. You're going to be challenged. There will be affliction and persecution for the Word's sake because the enemy wants no one to develop in the Word of God. There are certain areas in, of our, lives, in our lives right now where maybe we were doing a whole lot better about five years ago. But because... Of this understanding, the deception, and sometimes the subtlety of the enemy creeping in in different areas. All of a sudden, I'm not being or you're not being as effective as you were in that area of life. What's the key to getting back you know, into stronger faith? Going back into love. And really doing an evaluation of your own heart condition, your spirit condition. Am I walking in that realm of love? I'll show that to you again. Look at 1 John and we'll just, we'll, we'll conclude it right here. 1 John. Not that the word's non-productive, it's just that it's the condition of the heart that determines whether or not it's going to bear fruit. 1 John chapter 3, notice what happens to a person who gets out of the realm of love and to a person who remains in the realm of love. Verse 16, hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have needs, or need, and shutteth up his bowels and compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth. Notice two things here. You'll know you're of the truth, which is walking in the word, which is the message of the gospel, which is what the sower plants or, or, or sows into the heart of a man. And shall assure or persuade our hearts, the condition of the heart, the soul of the heart, determines whether or not the seed of God's word will produce fruit before him. If we want our hearts assured before him, persuaded before him, then we must love in deed and in truth. But if we leave that realm of love and don't reach out to meet the needs of others or to forgive others or whatever... Then our heart will begin, as verse 20 says, to condemn us. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. The heart will, will cause condemnation to rise up. It'll be conviction. It'll condemn us. It's not the preacher condemning us. No, it's our own hearts. I know I should be here. I know I should be doing that because you have that knowledge inside you. Or I have that knowledge inside me. 
But because I'm really not walking in it, there is something on the inside of me that just isn't right. And I know that. And, and I try to use my faith life. I try to be strong in faith. But I know there's something on the inside here. And see, it doesn't work if things aren't right on the inside here. And so many will try the faith walk. They'll try speaking the Word of God. Try to say the mountains be removed. But yet, there's not a full perception of these things and how the kingdom operates. And as a result, like I said, when the affliction or whatever comes, they're offended. But now look, for a person's heart to be assured and persuaded before God, there can't be any guilt or condemnation. For if a heart condemn us because we've left the realm of love, are you ready for this revelation? God is greater than our hearts. Thank God for that. He's greater than our hearts. He recreated our spirits. I thank God He's greater than our hearts. And no matter what condition our hearts are in right now, God can change if we just give Him the liberty to. God is greater than our heart and He knows all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not because we are living in the realm of love, because we are keeping His commandments, because, well, let's say some of these things, because we're not backbiting, we're not talking about the faults and fairs of people. Maybe years back, you know, we were walking... In the Word, we weren't talking about people and their faults and failures and shortcomings and etc. and all that. But maybe we've had a little bit more time to evaluate different people's lives and now it's okay to do that. To talk about their shortcomings, talk about their faults, talk about their failures and inadequacies and all these different things. And we think it's okay now. What has happened is we've left that realm of love. Our spirits have become seared. It's trying to ooze out condemnation to, to convict us, conviction to let us know that's not right. You knew it a long time ago, but you're still doing it. And you know you shouldn't do it. Then we wonder, I used to speak to that mountain boy. It'd be removed just like that. I don't understand now. My faith life not as productive as it once was. I used to pray for healing and there'd be the power of God manifested. And I don't understand why it's not as it once was. I used to pray for this or that, whatever, and had tremendous results, but I don't understand why. Let's get back into walking in, in the love of God and seeing people, not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. See? And then our hearts won't condemn us. And if our hearts don't condemn us, look at this. Then have we confidence toward God. Oh, hallelujah. Then I've got confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. Notice the connection between answered prayer and keeping the commandments of God. Notice the connection between the, experiencing the blessings of God and keeping the commandments of God. The Israelites failed to experience the fullness of their blessings because they failed to keep the commandment of God. When a child of God decides and makes the quality decision to Keep the commandment, the one commandment of the new covenant, which is love. It affects his entire heart condition. His heart is persuaded before God as he practices love and doesn't leave that realm of love for any reason. Let everybody else leave it, but he or she says, I'm not leaving that realm of love. His heart, her heart is assured before God, persuaded and confident. And whatever we ask, we receive of him. Because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. And this is His commandment. We should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus. And you know what? That's a mouthful right there. There's power in that name. Not just for salvation. There's power for healing, power for deliverance. There's power in that name to meet any human need on planet Earth. 
Praise God. And secondly, you ready for it? And love one another as He gave us commandment. When there's that depth of understanding, when the person's spirit heart is rooted and grounded in love, the condition of the heart is rooted and grounded in love, and that person has made that quality decision, he opens up the door to revelation knowledge and also to his heart being persuaded and becoming confident before God so that when he or she speaks to those mountains, they'll be, they'll be removed because he is confident that he is walking in the commandments of God, keeping his commandments and believing on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's not being distracted and, and looking, let's say distracted from the love realm, the spiritual realm, into the emotional sense knowledge realm where he's seeing everybody's faults and failures and not meet, reaching out to meet human needs. But his spirit condition is right where it needs to be. So there has to be a depth of understanding inside that person's heart. Otherwise, they'll just run with a message. There won't be any depth. They'll try to act upon it and, and begin. The process will just begin. But the moment the affliction comes, the moment the sun rises and the heat of affliction and persecution are there, the person will be offended, burned up, scorched. And it won't work. The seed of God's word won't have its time to produce fruit. Uh, one last scripture here. And that's James. You're close by. So let me just close it with that. And that's James chapter 4 and verse 1. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members? Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war. And yet ye have not. Because you ask not, and you ask and receive not, because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your lust. Now, there's another condition. My son will say, well, why? There's another condition right there of the heart that can be categorized there in Mark's gospel where he said there's no depth. It's because they've asked amiss or that condition of the heart exists where they ask with the wrong motive or intent or attitude of heart. It exists, see? So that's not love. If, the, if that person was really asking in love and was motivated by love, love motivated, love directed and love guided, they wouldn't be asking for anything to consume it upon their own lust. So that just goes to show us that if we don't maintain walking in the realm of God's love and operating in God's love, then although the word is, is powerful, it's active, it's energizing, it's, it's there for us, and our divine potential is there in seed form, the heart condition won't be right. And if it's not right, then, of course, the seed of God's word cannot take root and then finally produce fruit in our lives. And believe me, the enemy will do everything to get you out of the realm of love, to find your brother's faults and find your brother's failures and, and inabilities and human frailties and all that to distract you, to get your spirit condition wrong. And if that happens, beloved, he has the upper hand on all of our lives. And I mean that. So don't let the devil come along and do that and, and cause that hard condition of yours to change for the worse. You get that thing turned around by getting back into the love of God and letting God's love be paramount in your life and your heart condition. And we'll talk about love a little bit more. Let's all stand before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. 
I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.